Lie number one. You're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, you just smile and tell them never better. Lie number two. Everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. But truth be told, the truth is rarely told. I say I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. And when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not, and you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, there's no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. There's a sign on the door that says, come as you are, but I doubt it. Because if we lived like that was true, every Sunday morning, the pews would be crowded. But didn't you say the church should look more like a hospital? A safe place for the sick, the sinner, the scarred, and the prodigals <laughs> like me. Well, the truth be told, the truth is rarely told. Or am I the only one who says, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine, really, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken. And when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it. And there's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Can I really stand here unashamed knowing that your love for me won't change? Oh God, if that's really true, let the truth be told. I say I'm fine. I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. When it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not and you know it. And I don't know why. It's so hard to admit it. When being honest is the only way to fix it. And there's no failure, no fall, no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. We started looking last week at understanding that God cares about your physical, your mental and your emotional health. I mentioned in the message last week that the church has failed in the past to address this as we should. Sadly, this week I heard from at least a dozen of you who were here last week or watching online who said you had never heard a message on this topic. And for that, I apologize. For the years, we never talked about it. Because truth be told, as the words to Matthew West's song said, we all know it. Instead, we often hold up the smiley face and say, I'm fine. 
Oh, I don't think that every time someone asks us how we are, we should dump all our troubles on them. But there's got to be somewhere to someone, and especially to the one who created us, loved us, and provided for our salvation, where we say, I'm broken. This hurts. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what I'm feeling. So we took a look here. In scripture, a great example. It's in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings is right in front of 2 Kings, if that helps you. 1 Kings is right after 1 and 2 Samuel and right in front of 1 and 2 Chronicles. But this is uh, about Elijah, and Elijah had had a phenomenal victory against the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashereth, and God had answered by fire, and the whole nation responded positively. And then right after this, we read in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1, Ahab, he was the king at that time, told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me more and more also if I do not make your life like one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he, by the way, that's not really a tree of brooms, in case you were wondering. Sometimes it's called a juniper tree. I, I kind of had that picture of a bunch of brooms, and that's not really what it is, just, just in case you think like I do, which would be kind of scary. But he came to the broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and laid down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord and the God of hosts for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek to, my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks. <clears throat> but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. 
And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. They seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, go, return, and on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shabbat of Watermelon, we'll say, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. What are you doing here, Elijah? God cares about whatever you're facing. We're going to look in the next few weeks at several areas, but we're focusing right now on mental and emotional health because God cares about that. Contrary to what we sometimes believe, contrary to what Satan often whispers in our ear, God cares about all of this. And last week we started this and let me just do a quick review because part of it was asking, how do we get here? How do we get to the place where we need this help? Well, there's often a natural low after a great effort or great high, after a great victory, after sustained effort, after a lot of physical, emotional, mental effort is put into anything for an extended period of time, there's going to be a natural low. And sometimes that leads to some mental and emotional issues. That was part of what was going on with Elijah. We get here because sometimes there is a real or perceived threat that produces fear. Sometimes we get here because we simply feel isolated. Sometimes it's nothing more than being totally exhausted. But the truth and starting to get out of this is that God is listening you can pour out your soul to him. You can trust his heart. Even if you can't see the way, you can trust his heart and take his hand. We need to, at this moment, take care of our physical needs. Sometimes the emotional and mental issues we're facing are because of physical needs. A lack of rest, a lack of nourishment, a lack of health anything like that, proper nourishment and rest can do amazing things for our mental and emotional health. But that in itself is not a cure-all. And I want to address something that I briefly mentioned last week, and some of you talked to me about this week, and that is some of the myths, that's a tough word, myths, about mental and emotional needs that have been perpetrated in the church through the years. Myth number one, you just need to pray more. You'd be fine. 
Mentally, emotionally, you'd be great if you would just pray more. It's obvious you're not praying enough. You ever heard that one? Myth number two, you just need more faith. If you had more faith, you wouldn't be having this struggle. Remember, these are myths, not truths. Myth number three, you must have sin in your life. That's why you're having this struggle. Now, let me insert here, that could be an issue. But it's not automatically the issue just because there are mental or emotional struggles. Myth number four, real Christians don't need counseling or medication or you can go through the list to get over these things. That one is a dangerous myth. We might need those. They're there for our benefit. There is good Christian counseling. There's medication that can adjust imbalances in our bodies physically and in our brains so that we can get back on track. Myth number next. Don't tell anyone about your struggle. Go back to the song by Matthew West, Truth Be Told. Just tell everybody you're fine. Yeah, I'm fine. And I got it under control. All of those myths are dangerous. And we need to stop them. And counteract them with truth. One of the truths we need to embrace, and it's shown here in this passage of Scripture, is that we need to seek help with, fit, with spiritual needs. Verse 5, he laid down, slept under the broom tree, and then the angel touched him. There is help that is needed, and we need to seek that help. Elijah ran away, but he did answer honestly when God spoke to him, when the angel spoke to him. We need to answer honestly with the Lord. Number one, he already knows. So there's no need to lie. He already knows. And he cares. And he can do something. We need to seek help. Verses 10 through 18, the Lord is addressing him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He asks him that twice. He shows Elijah his power and then whispers to him. One translation I found said that when it says a low whisper, that another translation called it a thin silence. That's a fascinating picture to me. Seek help with your spiritual needs. Number one, from God. He cares. He's listening. He can do something. And by the way, you cannot surprise him. Because one of the lies we tell ourselves is, God's never dealt with this one. Seriously? You think you're that important? That you're dealing with something nobody in all of creation has ever dealt with? And that God is going, oh, no! I don't know what to do. No. He can handle it. He loves you. He already knows. Seek that help. And secondly, seek help from others 
get this, who are trustworthy. Go, I don't know who's trustworthy. Where are you going to have to trust somebody? Watch the life. Does it match what scripture says? Are they honest? Say, I've been burned in the past. I am sorry about that, but don't stay away from everybody just because you've been burned. Seek some help. Find a Christian professional if that's what's needed. And then get around caring people. Get around some people who care. Because there are a lot of them. Verse 18, after God has given Elijah these instructions of the things to do on his way back home, he then added, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You go, so what? Well, notice what Elijah said when God, after he got into the cave, asked him two times, what are you doing here? He gave the same answer both times. <laughs> when God said, what are you doing here? In verse 10, Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. Verse 18, God says, uh, by the way, there are 7,000 of you who have not bowed the knee to the idols. You're not alone. There are some others who understand. There are some others who care. One of Satan's greatest and most devastating tricks is to convince you nobody cares. Nobody wants to know. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's simply not true. Does everybody know what to do? No, but they care. And if they care, they'll listen. If they listen, things will get better just because you know you're not alone. Isolation is devastating. And one of the toughest things about this is that when we isolate, we feel alone. I mean, it makes sense, right? I isolate, so I feel alone. I did it on purpose, but I feel alone. And then I begin to blame you because I'm alone. Nobody's coming around, but I'm hiding. Get around some caring people. Just go get near them. And we need to become more aware of people around us. It's really easy to ignore. We're busy. We got our own junk going on. Because if the truth be told, all of us have some broken parts. I'm talking about the kind that can't be repaired with surgery. It's okay. Don't isolate. The isolation will produce more of those feelings and deeper that the struggle will go emotionally and mentally. When you see somebody isolating, reach out. If nothing more, then let them know I see you. Let them know I'm thinking of you. Every Sunday morning, there's a couple people I get texts from, other ministers. 
And every Sunday morning, I send out two to five of those just as God leads me to some of them, just to let them know, I just want you to know, I was thinking of you, I just prayed for you. Sometimes I know what's going on in their life, sometimes I don't, I just know that they came to my mind, so I let them know I prayed for them. It's amazing what that does. It's amazing how often when I get one of those, I go, how did they know that? They didn't, but God does. But they cared. Be one who cares and get around some people who care. Now, don't sit back and go, as soon as somebody else reaches out to me, then I'll reach out. Come on. That's preschool stuff. Let's get beyond that. Reach out. In fact, one of the ways that we get better quite often is when we reach out to someone else. Even if it's to say, me too. And then, take some action. Notice verses 15 and 16. God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go, return, and as you return, anoint Hazel, anoint Jehu, anoint Elisha. I'm giving you some tasks to do along the way. And verse 19 that we didn't read earlier impresses me because after God said that to Elisha, it says, so he departed and he got up and did it. I don't know about you, but quite often I know the next right step I should take. I just haven't taken the step. Right? Right? We often know the next right step, a next step we could take that would help us or someone else. We just haven't taken the step. So take some action. Say, I don't want to take the wrong action. I get that. Get in the word, pray about it, get around some people who care. And my guess is your next action will be positive. Because when we are in mental and emotional crisis, when we are in mental and emotional struggle, we just shrink in and don't do anything, which compounds the issue. Some action, even something as simple as getting up and taking a walk, getting in some fresh air, getting in some sunshine, Hey, take advantage of the fact it's not winter and the sun is out there somewhere. Take some action. And God himself instructed Elijah after he listened to him, okay, here's what I want you to do now. It's not working his way out of it. It is taking the next right step. Start here. So take some action. Start small, but start. One of my grandpas used to say, a job begun is a job half done. I hate that phrase. Because <laughs> it's true. And I don't like it because sometimes I don't want to start. You been there? And yet, once I start, then I'm more likely to take the next step. Are there serious issues that need medical 
professional help. Absolutely. And part of what I've been trying to say for two weeks is that's okay. Get it. Don't shy away from that. Don't be ashamed of that. It's amazing how often when we say me too, when we say I'm broken, somebody else goes me too. I had a relative a number of years ago that was struggling in the area of alcohol. And he had hidden it well for 12 years. And then the accumulation of that came upon and he had an incident where he passed out and went down and got hospitalized and there was no more hiding it. But instead of hiding from it, he stood up at his church said, I'm broken. Here's what it is. That day, a dozen or more other guys then came forward and said, me too. Because somebody had the courage to say, I'm broken. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. And somebody else said, me too. And somebody else came alongside who said, I've been there. Let me come alongside you. But we can't keep hiding it. We can't keep pretending we're fine when we're not. We can't keep saying I've got it under control when obviously we don't. So remember this. Above all else, God cares about you and your concerns. And because he cares, because he loves you so much, he will help. But he won't force it. But when you simply say, help. When you simply say, I'm broken. It's amazing how he rushes in, how he guides other people toward us or us toward others. And I've had many people through the years say, yeah, I thought that's just coincidence. Okay, if you want to call it coincidence, what I've noticed is that the more honest I am with God and the more that I pray about things, the more coincidences I have. So let's say it. Help. Let's say, I don't know what's going on. Let's say, I've never been through this before. Let's say, would you listen? Would you help? And let's come alongside each other to make a difference in a time where people are desperate to know somebody cares. So let me ask you this. Are you talking with God? When you're talking with him, are you telling him? Help. Are you telling him? I don't know what's going on. Are you working on your physical needs? Checking to make sure that's not the issue. Are you working on your spiritual needs? Honestly. To make sure that there isn't sin that you're running from.
And let me ask you this. As you think through and pray through this, what is the one thing that you could start to do today to make a difference in your situation or in the situation of somebody that God has brought to your mind this morning? God cares. We need to let others know we do too. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you love us through our struggles. You love us in our struggles. And that you have designed us to reach out to each other. You have designed us to care for one another. So Lord, may we be honest and raise our hand if it's needed to say help. And Lord, help us to look around, to notice who's isolated, who's missing, who's struggling, who's hiding, and reach out to them to let them know we care, and so does God. Lord, may you give courage to many this day to take the next step that you are speaking to them about right now. Lord, I'm thanking you in advance for progress and healing that is on its way. In Jesus' name, amen.